I am reading today from the book of Exodus, chapter number 5. The book of Exodus, chapter number 5. Thank you for being faithful. Eight weeks that I was absent, I appreciate that. God, you are so good. Exodus chapter 5. And the Bible said, afterward, Moses and Aaron went in and told Pharaoh, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Let my people go, that they may hold a feast unto me in the wilderness. And Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord, that I should obey his voice to let Israel go? I know not the Lord, neither neither will I let Israel go. And they said, The God of the Hebrews has met with us. Let us go, we pray thee, three days' journey into the desert. Hmm. The wilderness and the desert is where God wants you to go have church. And sacrifice unto the Lord our God, lest he fall upon us with pestilence or with the sword. And the king of Egypt said unto them, Wherefore do you, Moses and Aaron, let the people from their works get you to your burdens? And Pharaoh said, Behold, the people of the land now are many. And you make them rest from their burdens. You guys have got it easier than you think, Pharaoh is saying. And Pharaoh commanded the same day the taskmasters of the people and their officers saying, verse number 7, you shall no more give the people straw to make brick as heretofore. Let them go and gather straw for themselves. I'm going to talk out of verse number 1. Would you put that back up on there, Sister Flail? Verse number 1. I believe what perhaps could be the most powerful word Satan ever heard. Let my people go. Let me tell you something. You and I may not hear it when God says it, but I guarantee you the devil hears it when God says it. Let my people. He's not talking about the world. He's talking about the church right here. I know it's the Old Testament, but he's talking about his people. Let my people go. Thank you, Lord, for your mercy today, your loving kindness that's better in life. All that you've done, all that you're doing, all that you have in plan and in store for the people of God. Let us be helpers and not hindrances. Let us be people that bring forth the will of God and not Stop the will of God. Bless your people. Encourage the young and the old alike, I pray. Precious and mighty and holy and wonderful name of Jesus. God bless you. Look at somebody and say, let my people go. God bless you. Praise the Lord. I don't know who's playing in the NFL today, but I'm more thankful to be in church than I am watching the football game, I can tell you that. (laughs) This won't surprise you, but it's the will of God. I don't have to pray about it. You don't have to fast about it. It is the will of God that his people be free. 
liberated. Not oppressed, not bound, but free. I'm a whole lot different person when I'm free than I am when I'm bound. I'm a whole lot happier when I'm liberated than I am when I'm restricted. I have a whole lot more joy in my life and testimony when I can do what I want, so to speak, than when I'm bound by a this or bound by a that. It is God's will that you be free. Free to serve Him. Free to worship Him. Free to be in His presence. The Bible said in Romans 8, 14, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. That's who I'm talking to today. I'm not talking to sinners. I love you. and Your part will fall in there somewhere, but I'm talking to the people of God. Sons and daughters of the Most High God. Does anybody appreciate who your father is today? Your heavenly father? Do you really appreciate who is looking out over your life this morning? Do you realize where you might be today if it weren't for his presence in your life? Do you know where you might be today had God not interrupted your life today? I'm thankful to know he's the author and the finisher of my faith. He's the strength of my soul, the shepherd of my life. He's the only hope you and I have today. If you think your finances are what you're hoping in, securing your life and emotions and stability of this world, you're crazy. You don't pay attention to the news today. Gas was $1.99 three years ago, almost $5 today. If you think your wallet is going to secure you, but at the same time, it is the business of your enemy. Saints of God, listen to your pastor today. Some of you wish I would never get on these things because you like it always cheery. But it's a fool that buries his head in the sand and says, I'm good and I have no enemies in life. If you don't have any earthly enemies, you have a real spiritual enemy that every day is working to oppose you and liberty. That enemy of your soul doesn't want you to have freedom to worship God. Freedom to come to the house of God. Freedom to do what you want on your day off. He wants you oppressed and bound. In fact, John the Apostle said that the thief cometh not, chapter 10, verse 10. The only reason he comes is to steal, to kill, and to destroy. He literally twists the truth. I want to see who's in here and who isn't today. He literally spends his time twisting the truth, rewording things to enslave the people of God. He wants you to think that the world's glamorous and what you're missing out on is something you'll never recover. Because he lies. If, if all the musicians are not in here and don't need to be out there, would, so, would you go recover them, please? Maybe they're in classes, but I'm just looking for some witness with, along with the pastor today. 
He tries to twist truth and persuade people that the world is the way to go. My son said it so clearly, year, uh, I don't know, a couple years ago on one of the off nights Bible studies. He said, why is it we feel beautiful at church and we feel ugly when we're in the world? I'll tell you why. Because the enemy is working feverishly to get between my ears every day to convince me that this is bondage and that is freedom. He did the same thing to Jesus. Matthew 4 verse 9, he said, I'll tell you what. I'll give you everything the world has to offer if you just fall down and worship me. Well, he's always been after what God deserves. It started with worship. He wanted what God only received in heaven. I will be like the Most High. I will ascend above the kites of the clouds. He wanted worship. Only God deserves the worship today. You know that, right? Only God alone deserves the glory today. He alone is in charge of your life. If there's anything good going on in your life, you deserve to give, or God deserves the credit for it. We ought to be giving him the praise for it. It started with worship that he wanted to steal from God, and it's going to end with souls. Ezekiel 18.4, Ezekiel 18.20, God said all souls belong to me. But that's the ultimate end of the game that Satan wants. Your soul. My soul. Oh, don't talk about that. That creeps me out, Pastor. The devil has always wanted the things that only belong to God. I hope you write this down. Somebody needs to make a note of what I'm about to tell you. This is so important. This is so critical. I, I can't even state the importance of it all. And I'm not exaggerating. I'm not trying to be cute. But the enemy of your soul is so indescribably wicked when he comes as a roaring lion. Seeking, 1 Peter 5, verse 8, whom he may devour. We should never take lightly his mission or his energy or his zeal. He's looking for those whom he may devour. That should encourage respect out of me, out of you, because I know he has a mission, and he does not need any rah-rah group in his corner. He doesn't need anybody encouraging him to do his job. He doesn't need the pastor texting him, assistant pastor calling her. He, he is on a mission seeking whom he may devour. As wicked as he is in that form, he is even more dangerous when he comes as a serpent. Revelation 12 verse 9. Look what John said. Deceiving everyone. Deceiving everyone. But as wicked as he is in that state, as evil as he is in that position, it pales into insignificance those things when he comes as an angel of light, 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen. It makes that whom he may devour look like schoolboy stuff. 
when he comes as an angel of light, you may not like to hear this, but Satan is one of the most faithful members to every truth-preaching church. He shows up at every service, seeking whom he may devour, looking for someone he can deceive, looking for someone who's at church just to make a date. Oh, he's got you. Looking for someone who's at church just to see what so-and-so is going to, how they're going to react because they're mad at them. Don't give, the, don't give space to the devil. Don't do it. Come to church, set all that nonsense aside. His business is to enslave the people of God. I'm going to say it again. I'm going to say it again. It's indescribably wicked when he comes as a roaring lion. It's even more dangerous when he comes as a serpent, deceiving. But brother and sister, it's at a higher level of deception when he comes as an angel of light. The Bible said in Genesis 3 verse 1 that that serpent was more subtle than any beast. The word subtle in Genesis 3 verse 1, listen to this lineup of synonyms. Clever, elusive, tricky, inconspicuous, fraudulent, dishonest. Did they know I was coming back today, brother? I mean, like. Brother and sister, religious frauds are everywhere today. There are even religious frauds in truth-preaching churches. That's the work of the enemy, to deceive the children of God, to bind them with this or that, to hinder them from growing, from accomplishing the will of God. When you hear those voices of fraudulence, those voices that are clever and elusive. Don't you know what you're missing today? Why go to church? It sounds so acceptable in the world. Religious voices sometimes become part of the fraudulent scheme. Wow, we are just shouting today. Religious deception is probably the most dangerous thing people trying to find God will ever face. Oh, we just all love Jesus. It's all good. You don't read your Bible. If you really believe that, you don't look in your Bible. We are warned from beginning to end about those that come, wolves in sheep clothing, angels of light. It matters what you believe, brother and sister. Brother Corey, it matters what you believe. It matters that you live according to the guidelines of Scripture. It matters where you put your money and your time and your energy. It matters. Religious frauds are everywhere. You've got to sink your teeth in the truth to keep from being hindered by the work of the enemy. But compromise has become the popular thing. Scripture prophesied it. Before the return of the Lord, 2 Thessalonians 2 verse 3, the Bible calls it apostasy, a falling away. I, I forget what translation I read this morning, but I believe it was the message called it this great falling away before the return of the Lord. Talking about a compromise, a purity compromise, a moral compromise, 
an integrity compromise, a truth compromise. I, I'm not kidding myself. I don't think everybody that comes to church is going to heaven. I don't even think everybody that comes on this platform is going to heaven. Hallelujah. Religious compromise, it's easy to swallow. It tastes so good. So much easier. Let your guard down. Easy believism. It's that inconspicuous, clever, dishonest mood of the day. I'm of this opinion and persuasion. You might call me biased. That's okay. But I believe if you think that this is a truth-preaching church and you invest your time and money into this church, it ought to be something you promote everywhere you go. I don't, I don't, I don't think you should just be satisfied in being a member. Your level of investment and commitment to truth is going to protect you from the voices of compromise that are growing everywhere out there. Jesus said, I'm the door, John 10, verse 9. Tell you what that means. There's no other entrance. And if that weren't enough, Jesus said, you must be born again. John 3, verse 5, of the water. And of the Spirit. Nowhere in that message can you find just believe and you're going to be well. Believing is important. It's critical. Don't think I'm downplaying that. Believing is part of the process. But biblical believing is more than just mental ascension. Biblical believing means I put action behind my words. I walk what I say. No. Ever wonder why in Revelation 12, verse 10, that the devil's called the accuser of the brethren? Hmm? Firstly, it's not a name, it's a role. That's not his name, it's the role he occupies. He's the accuser. We've already seen he's deceiving, he's conniving, he's manipulative, he's, he's lying. And I don't know why anybody would think we're isolated or insulated from that. Turn your radio on. Look at your phone. He brings accusations to God, according to that scripture, about you. Now, wonder why God and Satan would have a conversation about you. Hmm? Maybe Job wasn't the only one. Maybe when Jesus told Peter, Satan has desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. Maybe it's more than just an isolated incident. Maybe it goes on all the time. According to this scripture, he brings accusations. You know what accusations can do? They can cripple you. Someone say the wrong thing about you and your public image would be. Even if it's the farthest thing from truth. A wife could say something about her husband and his image be ruined out of anger. 
A husband say something about his wife or his mom or his dad. You, you get the routine. You could say one thing, even out of anger, when it's just a slight bit of truth in it, maybe, but not all truth. And it ruined. Let me just pastor a little bit today. I don't even feel like I've been gone. But we should be very careful how we counsel people in the church with matters, with matters that are going to affect their life or their home. Be very careful. I don't care if you got a degree behind your name or not. Unless you're a Bible scholar second to none, be careful how you counsel people about things that will change their life. Because you know what I found out about people in human nature? You might be a rotten devil today, but tomorrow you might be a born-again, hungry-for-God, changed man. And we have no right, we have no right to cast shadow over people's lives. God can change them. But he's the accuser. It's a role he plays. It's as if, it's as if he believes that one thing might convince God to turn his blessings away from you. And the accusations, even in your own head, sometimes like, you know, I've, I know I've messed up a lot. I promised God 117 times I wouldn't do that again. Not an amen in the house. I promised God I wouldn't smoke that, drink that, do that, go there, read that, look at that, listen to that. God, I'm so sorry. I won't ever do that again. And we do it again. I'm not saying it's okay because God just winks at us and says, well, you know. But God is a God of great mercy, great compassion, great empathy, great love. His mercy is so overwhelming, we can't even fathom what God will do with mercy. Well, he's the accuser. He brings crippling accusations. The reason being this, the devil wants you to vacate your relationship with God. If you turn to the world, in a sense, you're vacating what God has done from you. Why can't we live like that, Pastor Herring? Enjoy the pleasures of this world and still love the Lord. Because you, you don't do that. If you turn your back on God, that's all you've got is the world then. No, God said he won't be mocked. Have no other gods before me. And so he wants me to vacate what I have. You've gone too far. You broke your promise again. You promised, and now you're, you're not doing what you said you were going to do. The devil knows he can't take what you have. I said he cannot take what you have. If he could take your Holy Ghost experience, you wouldn't have it. So you ought to fight for what's right in your life. You ought to fight for your experience in God. You ought to fight in prayer and fight in worship. You ought to fight for your church. You ought to fight for your leadership. You ought to fight for things you love. Don't let those voices come in there and try to separate you. But if he can just get me to vacate, sometimes I vacate in grand style. Sometimes I just disconnect. Ah, the preacher's not fun anymore. He's boring all the time. No, you've disconnected. Yeah. 
That's what he's trying to do. He's trying to get me to let go of something that God has appointed just for you and I. He can't take it. Scripture in 1 Peter 1 verse 12. When the apostle makes this statement about this Holy Ghost message. And he says, even the angels desire to look into it. Even, did you, you know what Satan was? An angel. Even angels are intrigued by your personal Holy Ghost experience with God. King James, and then the uh, CEV said, but they were told that they were serving you and not themselves. They preached to you by the power of the Holy Spirit who was sent from heaven. And their message is only for you, even though angels would like to know more about it. Ought to make you feel pretty special. If Gabriel doesn't have it, but wants it, how dare we treat it like some kind of little nickel and dime thing? When's the last time you were thankful you received the gift of the Holy Ghost in your life? Gabriel wants it. Michael wants it. You have the Holy Ghost today. Thankful for that. That Revelation Scripture, chapter 12, verse 11 said, but they overcame him. And they overcame him by blood, by word, and by love. If I were to ask you today if you feel like an overcomer, I wonder how many hands would go up. You overcame him by the blood, by the word, and by love. By blood, the blood of the Lamb. By the word of God and by genuine scriptural love. Got my hair cut recently, Brother Rick. I was sitting in there and the lady, the young lady was talking to me about church and, and uh, we, we've conversed before. Anyway, and uh, she was talking about where she goes and she changed churches a couple years back. And uh, she's never been here. But anyway, she was telling me, she said, I don't know if you're aware of this, Pastor. She said, but it's hard to find churches that accept strangers. And I just took her, I didn't say, well, no, that's not true. Because I don't know, maybe she's had a difficult time. And I don't want to find out one thing for sure. That this assembly should be full of people that are thankful for what they have. And realize that when that sinner walks in the door, that was you a while ago. That was you a couple of years ago. That was you last month. And if it weren't for the grace of God, you'd still be out there looking for somewhere to go. People don't need judgment. They get judgment everywhere they turn out there. They need love and preaching and the word and the blood Brother Joseph, I, I, I was re recently talking with somebody about a message I preached, and a couple of years went by, and you got up one Sunday morning and preached out of that scripture in Daniel about the power of God's ability, and he's able to do this and able to do that. 
But he goes on to say, but if he doesn't, the writer said, if he doesn't, we're not going to bow down. What are you going to do if God answers your prayer? You're going to shout. What are you going to do if God doesn't answer your prayer? Mm. I hope that the older we grow in the Lord, there's enough wisdom talking to us inside that we say, maybe this is not the right time. Maybe I'll think differently about this prayer tomorrow. Maybe I'm not in the right position for him to answer this prayer. God doesn't love me any less because he doesn't answer my prayer today. God is directing your life, changing situations. And the truth of the matter is this. Sometimes I just pray amiss. Well, anyway, let me stay on course here. The devil wants you to think that things that go on inside the house of God, the body of Christ, are bondage. Are bondage. But Israel, Exodus 2.23 actually called Egypt bondage. The Bible said they cried by reason of bondage. They were in the world and were oppressed by it. Devil tells people, no, you churchgoers are in bondage. Really? You know who the biggest bondage salesman there is on the planet? It isn't Marlboro or Jack Daniels. Biggest bondage salesman is a spirit, an enemy you have that you don't see. He's always selling bondage with deception, with fraudulent intention, with decoys. Shouldn't tell this. But anyway, Brother Justin, I saw the video of you the other day duck hunting with the kids. Awesome. I've never seen you jump that high, brother. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. You were fired up, weren't you? Which one? Grace got the duck? McKenna got the duck? Okay. Well, Grace, the first time? That's awesome. Who's the little guy that does the cartoon books? What's his name? Uh, the little, not far side, but the little tundra. What's his name? Chad Carpenter. Two hunters on the side of the pond, and uh, three little Donald Duck toys out in the water. And one hunter says, "Next time, I'll bring the decoys." <laughs> Satan's a master of deception. His stuff looks so good and so real. What could possibly go wrong? What could possibly be wrong? Just one drink. What's the difference? Just one night skipping church. What's the difference? I don't want to pray today. I'm too tired. Just one. And like I've told you for decades, one makes it so much easier for two. And two. He's a bondage salesman. That's his business. Sell it. People buy into it by the millions. Vulnerable. Way of the transgressor, 13th chapter of Proverbs said. It's hard. All right, let me, let me 
just close here. But Paul said, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. 2 Corinthians 3.17. Liberty. Where the Spirit of the Lord is. That means it's a holy environment wherever the Holy Ghost is. There's liberty there. There's not bondage in the presence of God. There's freedom in the presence of God. The enemy wants to restrict and enslave and hinder. His tools are lies, deception. In fact, Jesus said in John 8, 44, he's the father of lies. You know what that means in our words? He is so good at it. He is the best at lying. You know what we call people that lie all the time in our circles? They're pathological liars, right? They couldn't tell the truth that their life depended on it. Brother, he's, he puts that into shame. He is the father of lies. So anytime you hear doubt in your head, anytime you hear quit in your head, anytime you hear phooey on that God stuff in your head, I promise you, that's so, so blatantly obvious who that is talking to you. He can't tell the truth if he wanted to. So... So important today we realize that what's going on, his deceptive modes and methods, he has a reason for it. He doesn't just want you to start worshiping the things of this world. He wants to enslave your soul. But Jesus said, John 10 verse 10, I am come to give you life and life more abundantly. Everyone in this place with a, with a New Testament experience of salvation has the right to proclaim liberty from every shackle, every bond, every bondage. It is not the will of God for you to be bound. Brother Pleo, he went all the way across the Sea of Galilee because of one bound, enslaved, deceived. You know what the message the devil hears about you, I believe, when he's in that conversational exchange with God? I truly believe this. This is what he hears. Let my people go. Let them go. Because Romans 16, 20, he's going to bruise Satan under your feet shortly. Every victory comes from Jesus. All right. It was said and even written, Brother Rob, of this preacher, William Tiptaft, lived 200 years ago. It was said that in public, no man, no preacher ever feared man less and God more than William Tiptaft. Some of you people bound by organizational handles you wouldn't like if I told you what his faith was. I don't care. Listen to what he says. He said, if I had a thousand crowns, I should put them all on the head of Jesus. If I had a thousand tongues, I should use every one of them to praise the name of Jesus. That's liberty. That's freedom. To be able to say he deserves the glory anywhere. No, thank you, please. Not interested in your worldly offering. No, thank you. I don't go there anymore. I don't drink that anymore. I don't smoke that anymore. I'm not going to consume. 
But I want everything I do to glorify the name of the Lord. I love this church. I love this people. And I didn't ask for permission here today. But I'm going to take it anyway. I don't know how many people in this room have dealt with real addiction. And addiction can be things you put in your body or things you watch with your eyes. Addictions can be uh, publicly known or privately. Hey, it's hard to help. It's hard for God to liberate people who are hiding secret things. You know, you got a little another side to you that comes out after dark when your wife's asleep, brother. Don't expect God to liberate you. Appreciate the ladies supporting me there. Praise the Lord. But firsthand, I lived through somebody that had a cocaine addiction second to none. To the point of all the dark imagery you can, you can muster. Everything that goes along with that. Stuff that goes on behind closed doors and only in dark corners. Nonsense. Ugly stuff. Family dividing stuff. Ministry ruining stuff. But today, there he sits full of the Holy Ghost right there. Full of the Holy Ghost. Full of the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Don't tell me God can't do it. The devil wants you bound, but God wants to set you free. The devil wants you hindered. Can't worship God because of sin. God wants to set the captive free. God wants to set the captive free. Come on, stand to your feet with me today. It's time for church. It's time for apostolic, one God, Jesus name, tongue-talking, liberating church. I'm not going to let the devil have his way. I'm not going to let the devil go home thinking, yeah, we won today's battle. No way. It's time to celebrate Jesus. Hallelujah. Time to put it. Don't give me no slow song. Don't give me nothing slow. Let's celebrate the presence of God. Hallelujah. Ain't nothing like being able to touch the Lord. When I reach up, he's reaching down. The best friend I've ever found. Let my people go. Leave it up there, sis. Let my people go. Let my people go. Hallelujah. 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 Hallelujah.